You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Welcome. Back to Legends Live, as presented by the National Basketball Repl- uh, Retired Players Association, the home of all our NBA and WNBA legends. I'd like to remind viewers, you can submit your questions during the show. We will answer those before we wrap up. Without any further ado, I'd like to welcome in today's guest. We have former USC Trojan. She was a four-time champion and finals MVP with the Houston Comets. She is a gold medalist and basketball Hall of Famer. She is currently the head coach of the Texas Southern Lady Tigers. We have Cynthia Cooper with us. Cynthia, hey, thank you so much for joining us. You're here. Oh, thank you so much pleasure. for joining us. My pleasure. My pleasure. What's First, good? You tell me. How, how are you? How are things? You know, things are good. I've been traveling a little bit. I'm in Atlanta right now doing some stuff. and um, But things are good. I mean, my, my, uh, my season is over, so that's mm. kind of sad. But for the most part, we're building for next year, so all is well. Okay. Uh, first thing we talked about a little bit backstage. Little upset you didn't tell me you were in Atlanta. We could have did this in person, but it it's fine. But well, I mean, I know you didn't really want me in your studio. You didn't want me in your space. You know, you, I had to yeah, come with right. a COVID test. And all no, that. you're right. I have I need, it. I have the evidence. You do you know. have three straight though? I need three straight negative tests. Yes. Yeah. I have actually seven. But okay. Okay. All right. Well then, we but, next you know, time. I aim to please. You know, I'm a winner. So boom. Next time. <laughs> So you mentioned your season wrapped up. What did that look like, like coaching during the pandemic? Like, how did how did that look different for you? Well, it was one of the most frustrating things I've ever done in my life. And I had a long life and I've traveled all over the world playing basketball and, and coaching mm-hmm. basketball. It was one of the most frustrating things, you know, consider you're in training and you're, you're preseason and mm-hmm. you're training, you're getting in shape. And all of a sudden, one person tests positive. And now you're all in quarantine. So at the start right. and the stop of it all, games mm-hmm. being canceled and then injuries on top of, you know, the COVID protocols. So it was one of the most frustrating seasons I've ever experienced. But I'm looking forward to next year and, and really doing some really big things. Hmm. Now, you coach in college now, you coach briefly in the WNBA. What would, what would you say are the biggest differences well, I think the WNBA players, you know, they come, they've come through a lot of AAU high school, you know, um, college coaching. And so, you know, they feel like they've arrived. Whereas mm-hmm. in, in um, the W, well, in, in college, you're still able to kind of teach and nurture and motivate and encourage. Right. Um, I'm a huge fan of teaching. I'm a huge fan of infusing my passion into the younger generation so that they can carry the torch. I'm I'm just a huge fan of women's basketball and promoting the game that we play in the W and that I feel is very exciting to watch. So is it, along with the teacher role, you prefer like that college role, getting them at a, at a younger age. So you feel like you can, I guess, make more of an impact. You can make more of an impact. You, you're starting to mold players and their mentality. 
and you're mm-hmm. teaching them what the the difference between a winning mentality and just a participation mentality, the okay. how you need to confront practice in order to have good games on a consistent basis, not just a one and done, but really mm-hmm. have a great season. And you do that through practice, through prep, well, through preparation, and mm-hmm. then through practice, and then just developing this mentality that you want to consistently get better every single season because some players think oh i had a good season last year so i'm going to automatically have a great season season next next year but if you don't put in the work you will not have that great season you know you've got everything is based the foundation of everything great is based in hard work now uh, you mentioned you played overseas spain and italy correct Mm -hmm. see what was your favorite one Sí, seguramente Italia. God bless you. Era mi favorito, veramente. en España, pero solo un año en Valencia. Yeah, I just I speak Absolutely. Spanish, so I just thought I'd give you a little bit of that, you know. Now, what did, what did you just? You ain't just like cuss me out or nothing in Italian, did you? No, no, I would never do that. Not on okay. live air. Not on live air, and not in your face. I would I talk about your back. That's fair. More than fair. I, I much prefer it that way. I'm fine with that. Uh, no, so, so I loved I loved Spain. You know, I played in mm-hmm. a city called Valencia, mm-hmm. and it was amazing. I loved it. I, probably my favorite was Italy, just because I spent more time there. I got a chance to get you know have my Italian family and friends, and mm-hmm. um, and then tour the country and really see the the history of of Italy and the difference between. Be playing down in uh, a city called Alcamo near Palermo and, mm. uh, versus playing up north in Parma where they make Parmesan cheese, prosciutto di mm. Parma. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the food was amazing. I was saying, um, you're eating good like over a, there. Oh, yeah. It's like an hour and a half outside of Milano. Um, mm. So it was, it was great. It was different. It was great, but it was amazing. Just absolutely amazing. Also because, gotta remember, I'm a kid from Watts. I grew up in the inner city of Watts in Los Angeles. And so those, you know, traveling to Italy, living in Italy, learning the language wasn't really in the cards when I was growing up. And so it was definitely something that was special for me. Hmm. So I'm curious, what was the trash talk like overseas? Like, I'm I'm curious, like, how, how would the trash talk, like, from Spain to Italy to Watts, like, what's the, to Houston, like, how, what's the comparison there? Honestly speaking, I trash talking overseas were, was more nonverbal. Okay, a lot of pointing. Okay, lot. it's on and pop. So is that what is that where this came from? Well, that came from my my teammate Kim Parat. But yes, the the whole speaking with the hands, the gestures, mm-hmm. the, so nonverbal communication. But you know, the only real trash that I talk mm-hmm. is with. Um, guys when i play against guys yeah because guys always got something to say oh you you, this is a man's game oh you can't play this oh you can't dunk i said dude i just went by you i went by you and i scored over your friend so stop it (laughs) so you say the verbal stuff for the states but also for the guys absolutely absolutely because they're really the ones that challenge me the women are real focused on stopping me and they don't really, well, I have a couple that trash talk, but when I'm on the court, when it's business, it's right. business. I don't really have time to spend my energy talking to you. I'm really showing you. Right. So what's the differences you would say between playing, like not even the trash talk, but just like the 
on-court style and on-court game between here and overseas? Yeah, overseas is a lot more physical. A lot more really? physical. Yeah, and, and you're being defended. You're being double team and triple team almost every game because when I played, you were one of only two foreigners. Right. So really the defense was, was focused geared on to you. stop you, focused to stop you and um and tailored to stop your movements. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to be you have to be very creative. And luckily I grew up playing with guys. And with mm-hmm. guys, because guys are so athletic and they're so quick, and you have to be more crafty and right. you have to be more, you know, more willing to try things that are outside of your comfort zone. So I grew up playing with guys and that helped me be be more you know, versatile when I went overseas to play. Hmm. Now, could you see yourself coaching over there? Like you coach WNBA, coach college. Could you see yourself co- speaking some of their fancy Italian uh, coaching? You know what? I could, but I would prefer to coach in America. You right. know, now that I'm home, I, I want to grow basketball here in America. I want to grow back women's basketball here and, and not necessarily overseas. You know, mm-hmm. that I was offered a couple positions over there, but, you know, once I w- was done with my playing career, you know, it was all about coming back to America and, and being, you know, rekindling relationships with families right. and friends. And, um, and it was good. It's been good. So when you were overseas, I guess, when did you start hearing about like the WNBA actually becoming a thing? Because I remember they had the ABL for a couple right. of years. So did you, I, I could, like, what was your experience with that? With the, like, did you hear about the ABL first or did you, how did that work? Well, you know, I was overseas. I had been mm-hmm. over there for a few years. And so people had kind of forgotten about me, you know. So I, I remember contacting the ABL, asking the ABL, hey, you know, Cynthia Cooper, I'm a guard. I used to play USC. I've been playing mm-hmm. overseas. They, they weren't interested in having me come, into, come to play. They said, really? they said, and I quote, we have enough guards in our, in our league, you know, so, you know, we're not really wow. interested, basically, right? And so... Um, I wow. was really, I started hearing the rumblings of the WNBA. Uh-huh. So, you know, to, to really try something, try to do a more thorough job of selling myself. Um, I had put together tape or some film. I mm. put together that I just showed my age there with tape, but anyway, I put together <laughs> film. I put together some stats, um, with a really nice, you know, letter, um, to mm. send off to the WNBA offices showing them that I was interested in playing in the WNBA. So, um, you know, after, after being turned down by the ABL, you know, I was like, I hope the WNBA, mm-hmm. you know, really allows me to just, just showcase my talent. I mean, I'm older now. Now I'm like mm-hmm. 34. So, you know, I'm well-established overseas. I just want to mm-hmm. come back to America and play pro ball. Right. You know, so right before I sent the package off, I called ahead to let them know the package was coming. Um, mm-hmm. I spoke to Renee Brown. And um, she was like Cynthia Cooper from from Parma, from Italy. Like the Cynthia Cooper? Yeah. I, I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to send you this information. I really hope I have an opportunity. She's like, oh, girl, we've been looking for you. What's your address <laughs> where we can send a contract? I was that's like, love. Yeah, that's I love. Like, I'm I said, well, I didn't know where I was playing. I didn't know how it all came about. But I knew that I would be playing in the WNBA in their inaugural season. And you knew, again, overseas, you knew it was something that you definitely wanted or was it the like the consideration of like, you know, I've been over here eight, nine, ten years. I've built a pretty good life for myself. Or you always knew that you wanted to, to get back over here, over to the States. 
Well, you know, I knew that any league that was affiliated with the late David Stern mm -hmm. and the NBA would have a high probability of success. Mm -hmm. I knew that. And so in knowing that and knowing the backing and the, and the foundation that the WNBA had, I was overjoyed and really thrilled to have an opportunity to play. So I didn't know that I would have an opportunity, but right. I knew that if I was given that opportunity, this was a league that could very well be successful. Right. So how did, how did you end up with the comments? Like, how did you find out you were a comment? How did, how did Italy to, to Houston go? Yeah, really crazy. I, um, so I found out I was going to be playing in the WNBA. I didn't know Cheryl Swoops at the moment, but I had heard, you know, all of the rumors. So the WNBA rumors were, mm -hmm. were, had started at the Olympics in 1996 in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So the, the, that's when the rumors had started. So I knew that there would probably be a league. I knew the face of the league was Cheryl Swoops, mm -hmm. um, Lisa Leslie, and Rebecca Lobo. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't care. I was like, have right. at it. You right. know, I'm going to come in under the radar. Mm -hmm. The way I, be I, I became a comet is I, Cheryl Swoops, her first season, she was pregnant. Mm -hmm. So she was going to miss pretty much the entire season her, for, her first year. So they needed someone else to step in her place to right. kind of, you know, hold down the fort until she, you know, had her baby, had little Jordan and was able to come back and play. Gotcha. Um, so that's kind of how I got to the Houston Comets. Um, once again, I'm from Los Angeles. So, you know, I'm thinking Sparks. I mm -hmm. went to college there, USC. So I'm thinking that's where I'm going. But, you know, they said Houston because, you know, we were going to be without, they were going to be without Cheryl Swoops. It just so happens I was already living in Houston. Oh, okay. so I was living, yeah, I was living in Sugarland. They didn't even know. When I when I flew in to do all of the promos and they were like, Oh, we can get you, you know, apartment, we give a stipend. I said, Um, actually I have a house here. I live in Sugarland. You should have taken stipend, Houston. man. What are, what are you doing? Oh, did I mention I didn't I did take the stipend? I, oh, okay, sorry, okay, okay. okay. There on, we man. go. Okay. I was gonna say what so I'm a, I was a oh, veteran okay. rookie. Yeah, I was, was gonna say, come on, record. right? <laughs> I was gonna say, come on now, Cynthia. Yeah, yeah, no, I got the, I, yeah, yeah, no, I still got the stipend. <laughs> now, Absolutely. The, those comet teams in the late nineties, I feel like they shot like a lot of threes back then. Like for the, relative to the league, was that more? Was that like a coaching thing, or was that just like the style of play, the players you had? Was that an emphasis, like something you you yeah. all tried to take advantage of, or? You know, it's I, I Cheryl, Cheryl Swoops is really the three point shooter. Tina Thompson was mm. a three point shooter. So, so for me, I'm more of a slasher. I like to get to the rim. I like to get to the free throw line. I had to develop a three point shot so that I could get to the three, uh, so I could get to the basket. Because right. you know, teams start playing off of me mm -hmm. and making me shoot the outside jumper. So I had to develop a mid range game and a mm -hmm. three point. That's my story. But really, Cheryl Swoops and Tina Thompson. That's a major part of their game. So the three-pointer wasn't something that we thought about at the beginning. Say, hey, we're going to be a three-point shooting team. Mm. It was something that developed as we start to get to know each other and our skill set. Um, and remember, Tina Thompson, she was the first ever draft of the WNBA. So she mm. was the number one pick in the draft. And she was phenomenal at popping. When, you, when we ran the screen and roll, she mm. would pop as opposed to roll to the basket which then obviously, you know, opened up the lane for both penetration 
and, you know, other post players to, to have free reign. So mm -hmm. it was great to be able to come off that pick and roll and have the freedom to choose between Cheryl Swoops on the left wing and Tina Thompson popping off of that screen and, and obviously the option to go to the rim uh, with my penetration. Hmm. So what do you think of like the evolution of the three point shot? Like just in general, in the women's game, men's game, NBA, WNBA, just how it's really seemed to explode uh, these last couple of seasons. You know, I think uh, three, the three point shot is, is definitely a, a skill. And mm -hmm. in order to, to play the three point shot game, the way mm -hmm. the NBA is playing in a lot of ways, um, you have to have specific players with specific skills. Right. Um, and, and that's, I think that's why you're seeing the influx of a lot of European players, some foreign players that they teach that skill to their post players. Their mm. post players are running, you know, drills with, with the guards. And so I'm not a huge fan of playing small ball and, and shooting a lot of threes. I'm mm. old school. I'm more of mm -hmm. a, you know, let's, let's play basketball. And if the right. three point shot is what's rolling today, it's there. Three point take, shot. Yeah. If the post player is, 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 you know, doing her thing, let's, you know, give it to the post. Whatever possess, I'm, I believe in um, whatever position you're strongest at, that's where I want to put you so that you can right. help us win this game. So it's not something that you hammer home like we need more threes, more threes, more threes, yeah. no long twos, no mid range. You're just like take what the game, take what the defense gives you, really. Yeah, I'm more of a scoring, a score, both as mm -hmm. a player and as a coach. You know, my job as a coach is to put you in the perfect position to be your best. Right. It's not for you to try to try to make you fit into my system. My right. system is based on the players I have and the talent level I have. Then we go from there. Gotcha. So would you say you're you're a player's coach? Absolutely. Absolutely a player's coach. I'm trying to I'm trying to get you to the rim if that's what you do. I'm trying to get you open for a three-point shot if that's what you do. If you play with your back to the basket, I'm get you. I'm gonna get you there, and I'm gonna clear the other uh, block. Uh, if you like to penetrate or will and deal from the elbow, guess what? I'm gonna get you that ball. If you make great decisions with the ball, then I'm gonna I'm gonna allow you the space to create not just for yourself but also your teammates. Mm. Now, would your players agree that you are a players' coach? Be honest. Yeah, I think they would. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Because guess okay. what? The other thing I do, I'm not gonna run you in the ground either. Okay. Because I didn't like to be ran in the ground. <laughs> so, yeah, That's we fair. do some conditioning. But uh -huh. when I see your fatigue, we're going to tone it down. Because at the end of the day, I'm trying to get you fit. I'm trying to right. get you in shape. I'm not trying to hurt you. Right. That's fair. That's Now, I was reading your uh, Players' Tribune piece from, I believe it was the end of last year. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that the Comets won four in a row. But yeah. nobody really put any respect on y'all's name. Why do you think that is? You know, there was a um, when the when the Astros won World mm -hmm. Championship a few years back. They they said in the newspaper, literally, it was on the telecast that that's the, that was the first championship since the Rockets went back to back. I'm like, mm -hmm. what? <laughs> <All> <laughs> we right. won. Excuse me. Four yeah. championships in a row. As a matter of fact, our second season. We had the highest winning percentage of any professional team in the his in history, ninety wow. percent, twenty seven and three. So, so you know, 
you know, for, for me, it's about just give the due where it's due. It doesn't matter if it's a female or male. Well, unless you could tell me another NBA team that won four in a row or baseball team. None, or, none that I could think of. Okay. So if you can't tell me that, then just stop with the nonsense. I'm not, listen, whether you tell me I'm great or not, I know what I am. I know who I am. I know what I bring to the table. If you tell me the comments were great or not, I know how we dominated. I was there. We, we, we were amazing, right? And, and we were amazing in the face of, you know, Cheryl coming back late in the first season. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, everyone didn't think Cheryl Swoops and I could play together. Cheryl Swoops and Tina, um, we, were, we won that championship. The next year, our point guard, Kim Parat, passed away. In the face of that adversity, we won that championship. And the first championship of the new millennium, guess who won it? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We we did. You know, so I'm not bragging. Those are just facts. That's in the history books. And if you could tell me another team that dominated like that, first four years of, 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 the comp, of their um, league, mm. how about it? We can debate. Otherwise... They got to put some respect on you. Put some respect there. Like, I, I mean, I see, I see God. Oh, nobody cares about women's basketball. That might be true because you don't play sports. Okay. And if you yeah. don't care, then that's fair. Right. Then move around. But don't call call a spade a spade. A spade is a spade is a spade. That's just what it is. You can't put a spade down and say, nah, man, tonight, that's a heart. Right. Or just overlook it like the like the spade is not there. Correct. Yeah, we just had uh, somebody in the chat uh, in the chat said comments for Pete Houston stand up. Then we got some some H town in the house. H town in the building. Raise the roof. There you go. Graham said got some icon. Well, we got one icon. You the icon. But of the of the four titles, you have a favorite. Like, do you you're running them off there? Do you have was like the first the sweetest? Like, what do, you have a favorite? You know, the first was definitely one of the sweetest. I, I think three for ten. Was mm-hmm. was great because you know, Kim was a very important part of our first two championships. Um, so winning that championship was probably the most adversity we had right. faced, and to to be able to turn that around and come away with the championship was definitely special. Also, because Kim passed away in August, August nineteen. Um, my mom had passed away earlier that year, mm-hmm. February twelfth. So, you know, it had been a rough six months for me. Yeah. So to come back and be able to, you know, get the energy and the focus and the drive and the, you know, everything that goes into winning the championship, get that, put that together, and us all come together and um, and, and win that championship, it, it made it very special. Uh, definitely. Uh, by the same token, do you have a favorite All Star game? Like the All Star game just passed. I like to ask all the legends, like what what do you remember? Like do you have a favorite All Star moment or like what what do you remember about your first All Star game? Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't a huge fan of the All-Star game. I loved being there. I loved, I think the thing I loved most about the All-Star game was just hanging out with all the players. With everybody. And really yeah. seeing them outside of the court, outside of the pressure to stop me or to win the right. game and to be physical or to talk trash. It, just to kind of get to know them outside the court, that has had to be my favorite moment. But to watch Tina Thompson win the MVP, was was yeah. also pretty doggone special to see her win an MVP of, of an All Star game. That, that was that was special to me. 
So the encore stuff, you could take it or leave it. Yeah, you know, everybody's trying. Everybody has their own individual goals. Me, right. I'm trying to win championships. I'm trying to win, you know, championship. Like we, I want my team to be the best, right? right. That's what my focus was. I knew we had to do the All Star game, and so for me, it was really about the locker room and getting to mm -hmm. know people and that sort of thing. It really wasn't about the on the court stuff um, because I thought I had proven that I could do that. Right. Now, you mentioned winning championships. You did that in college as well. So I, I feel like I have to ask, and I, I think I might know your answer, but does an all-time USC team, do y'all just, do y'all watch anybody else's all-time team? Yeah, you got yourself, Cheryl Miller, Lisa Leslie, yeah. Pam McGee, uh, yeah. Tina Tom Like, I feel like I know I'm missing some more, but yeah. you put y'all's five against anybody's five? Anybody's five. Yeah, anybody's five. And I... You know, UConn comes close, though, man. When you I was going to say UConn, Tennessee. Tarasi, uh, yeah, but when you talk about Tarasi, you talk about Maya Moore and Sue Bird. They come real, real close. But we, we, had, we had a squat. And remember, a lot of people don't know this. I came off the bench for my USC team. I didn't even championship start. years? Yes, I came off the really? bench. Really? Yeah. That's how stacked the team was. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's pretty I'm good. I'm a Hall of Famer. I came <laughs> off the bench. <laughs> so, yeah. So, who, who do you think is the best player you ever played with? Cheryl Miller, hands down. Really? Cheryl Miller was great. She was way better than me. Just, really? She was just so, so amazing. And before her time, she was the first player at her size to shoot the three, to – go to the basket, to, to play both sides of the ball offensively and defensively to, to really uh, demonstrate how hard work could transform a player that they say was talented into a great player. She mm. was great. Who's the best player you played against? Best player I played against is probably Cheryl Miller. You know, when we Makes were and Remember, yeah. I came off the bench. So I was on the second team. She was on the top team or the first team. And we would go head to head every single practice. So uh, that helped me, you know, it helped right. me get better. Um, yeah, probably, probably Cheryl Miller. Now, I, I looked up your high school. Y'all got a lot of famous people from your high school. Like, who do you think the the most famous person from your high school is? Like, you got yourself. You I got saw Eddie Ozzie. Murray, Ozzy Smith. Yeah, uh, Eddie. Tyrese. Fred you know, Rerun Ty Barry. Tyrese was all right. You know, Tyrese okay. was all right. You know, he can okay. sing. You know, he got famous on the Coca-Cola commercial. Tyrese. <laughs> okay. Come on, Tyrese. No. Um, I, I tell you, I, I think, you know, baseball and, and football, they 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 were the, the, the most famous. You gotta we we won the state championship. That was the first state championship we had ever won mm. in, in in girls basketball. So um, you know, it, I had only been playing for three years. I started playing basketball when I was about 15. So I'd only been playing for three years. Yeah. But I worked hard, you know. I got in the gym with the fellas. I let I took a couple, you know, bumps and bruises because they didn't mm -hmm. want me to play or they were a bit extra physical with me. I kept my mouth closed and I just learned the game. And did you play like another sport up to fifteen or you were just late to the sport in general? Yeah, I ran track. I ran track. I ran uh, four hundred okay. meters, hundred meter hurdles, uh four hundred well, three hundred when I was running 300 meter hurdles long jump i did that i played tennis i played badminton don't sleep okay. on badminton How okay about that? 
You a badminton mommy out here? Yeah, man. Okay. <laughs> it was it was number love up in the club. No, okay. so I, I played a I played a lot of sports. Track was my best, other than basketball. Um, I I, I ran a four hundred at about fifty two, and about fifty two. So I was pretty good. So what got you to to basketball at fifteen? Well, when I was before I graduated from from middle school or, or junior high school, I saw a girl. I was in the gym, and I saw a girl penetrate to the basket, put the ball behind her back, and lay it up. Mm. I was like, "Whoa, was like, that was pretty cold." That was nice. I, <laughs> I, I want to learn how to do that. So that's kind of what sparked my interest. Once I started playing, I just fell in love with the sport. I wanted to know everything. I wanted to learn everything. You know, initially, all I could do was penetrate right and make a right-hand layup. And remember, I ran track, so I was mm. pretty quick. Mm. So I would just go off on the fast break, just take right, off, make my layup. I didn't care how many people were in the way. I'm going right. I'm going to fake left and go right. I'm going to fake a shot and go right. I am going right because that's all I know how to do. If it ain't broke. Man, I, I used to hear coaches in the WNBA, cut off her right hand. Cut off her right hand. I mean, I'm standing right in front of their bench. Right. I, I, would, I can hear you. Yeah. I would give a flinch. I would give a right. flinch to the left. They a little something. Jump over there. I go straight right. Okay. They be like shaking their head. Shaking their head. The girl going right, y'all. Again. And it's still Again. going in. Again. Yeah, so you got a couple more questions that we'll jump to we got some viewer questions in the chat here. I saw on your Instagram, it was a picture of yourself with Michael Jordan, Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, and the late great Moses Malone and Kobe Bryant. And the caption said, Who's taking the last shot? Well, yeah, I know who's taking the uh, last shot. Michael Jordan. Going- I thought you were going to say no, you're going to you and, you and you're going right. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Everybody, I'm the only one that they're going to underestimate. So they're going to mm. double Kobe. They're going to double Mike. They're going to double, you know, run at Carmelo. They're going to do all of that to them. LeBron. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're going to be physical with LeBron. He in the picture. So me, I'm just going to sit out there and I'm going to knock down the three. But they know. They have confidence in me. They know I'm going to knock down the three. They know how the defense is going to play. So all I have to do is be ready. So, yeah, I'm going to take the last shot because my teammates trust me to do that. Yeah, man. Also got to say, I feel like in every single picture I've seen of you with a legend, they are just smiling from from ear to ear, just showing showing all 32. What what is it about you that, that, that gets the legends just grinning from ear to ear? I think mindset, I think mentality and mindset and just feeling comfortable around people who think like you, who see the game like you, who want, you know, who expect greatness and everything they do. There's just a a camaraderie, um, a a way that we just hang out to where it's it's easy, it's effortless because we all share that that mentality of, of winning, of greatness, of, you know, not letting an obstacle stand in our way of, of success and, and winning um, and being the best version of ourselves every day, hmm. right? Some people are good every other day, once right, a they week. They don't bring it all the time. Right. But when you with that with that mentality, that championship, that greatness, that elite mentality, you guys just click. You 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 click and we and we just relaxed and enjoyed each other. Hmm. 
Let's see. We'll uh, jump into some questions from the chat. Let's see, Bridget. What is our first question? What do we have here? Got one from Playoff P. He said, "What is the craziest coach you've ever played for?" He said he's thinking of conditioning. But what's the craziest coach? Oh man! You ever so played I've, for? I've had some. I've had some interesting coaches. Some of the greatest coaches. So I'll tell you guys too. Marianne Stanley. Um, uh-huh. She used to. She she coached me with the um, World Championship team, and I didn't play no defense. But Marianne Stanley okay. was a defensive coach. I'm just saying I ain't playing no defense. I'm I'm being honest. That was self awareness. Yeah. I'm just, I'm a container. I'm containing okay. you. Right. I'm just throwing that out there. So, but this particular practice, Marianne Stanley, she had dug her heels in. She was not playing with me. I needed to go from one side denial to help, and then mm-hmm. deny the ball and defend Teresa Edwards on the right wing. That's it. And she was not playing with me. So we stayed in that drill for 15 minutes, 20 minutes until I got one stop on Teresa Edwards. Absolutely. So she was one of the toughest coaches on me, but it helped me also to right. know that I could do it. Right. right? Like it, it, there was a level of satisfaction for me as well, but man, that was a long drill. Long. <laughs> and I stayed in the drill the entire time until I got a stop. She was not having it. She cut you and no then, slack. No slack whatsoever. And and neither did Teresa. You mm. know, Teresa could have backed off a little bit, right? Gave right. me a stop, but she was no. not playing either. She wanted me to get better. Coach wanted me to get better, and I did. Mm. Um, but probably the, the the first coach that was really tough on me was the first year I went to Italy. His name, An- Antonio Morabito. And Great Antonio name. Morabito, he, he wasn't used to me being so aggressive remember you guys i was a little rough around the edges i'm from watts i'm in italy i don't speak the language and so his he didn't really speak english but one thing he had down pat whenever i was talking and trying to explain myself and he would go shut up (laughs) (laughs) he he had that down pat he he understood that down pat i said well you know that's a little offensive you know it's a little aggressive he said i know shut up (laughs) I mean, and you I understood it, what, though. Yeah, you understood. I would, I would be so mad. Oh, I would be so mad. Um, but he was one of my favorite coaches of all time. All time. We eventually stopped butting heads and got together and got connected. And uh, he's one of my favorite of all times. That's love. See, uh, next question here from Hawkman. Hawkman says, discussing the foreign game, seems like they're much more conscious of drawing fouls and working the refs. Is this the case when you played overseas, or do you think this is a newer development? You know, when you talk about the foreign game, I, I don't think it's changed much. Um, mm. They definitely work the refs, but, you know, it's just a much more physical game. And I just think the game is ref, uh, is officiated different for foreigners than it is, you know, the the um, whatever country you're in, the native, the native people in that country. Um, mm. So the Italians in Italy or the Spaniards in Spain – yeah, I think it's officiated a little differently. They expect us to take more, right. um, which really, for me, helped my game. You know, if anybody you've ever uh, that have, that have ever played against me, they know I finish. I am a finisher, and that's directly related to playing with guys because guys don't let you miss shots. Because if you miss a shot, you out. You ain't supposed to be out there anyway. You out. Yep. Right. So you got to focus on making that shot. So finishing, and then overseas, getting double teamed and being very physical, but the but the refs and the president of your organization, they don't care about none of that. 
They just, right. you got to score and help your team win. So that Period. really helped me. Mm-hmm. Mm. Let's see. Next question. Got one from the Legends Lounge. It says, we need a Houston Comets dynasty movie. Who would play you? Who's playing Cynthia Cooper in the Houston Comets dynasty movie? Wow, that's a great question. So I would I would go with Maya Moore or or Jewel Lloyd to okay. play Cynthia Cooper. Okay. Yeah. They, they why, have why that those mentality. Two? But they just have that winning mentality. They put in the work also. And they're mm-hmm. humble enough to know that no, nobody's going to be perfect, but you can always fall back on your training. You can always fall back on the work that you did to get you there, and that's going to get you to that next level. So uh, yeah, they're they're two of my favorites. Are you gonna coach them up on that that, that Watts edge, but but you got to coach that that Watts into them might, so they can I portray that on, on the field. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, look at them like get your weight up or something like that. Yeah, yeah. just a, for for the <laughs> it's for the movie's sake though. For the movie, just for the movie, just, just for, for the movie. Let's <laughs> see. Got a question from Kenny Kenny Carter ninety nine says. Who are some of the best basketball minds that you have encountered throughout your career? I would tell you one of the best basketball minds that I've ever encountered, Kay Yao, the late Kay Yao. Mm. She mm-hmm. coached me um, in the 84, um, the 84 World Championships and then in the 88 Olympics. Sorry, I'm, I'm dating myself now. But um, she, she just had a way of talking to you that you believed her right. and that you believed in yourself. And you wanted to perform for her. You mm. wanted to win that championship. She did a lot of team building exercises. And, and you know, I wasn't really familiar with those um, because mm. I hadn't played a lot of USA basketball. Right. Um, but she was so great at, with people. And I remember when I was playing in the 84 World Championships, she, I was really frustrated because I wasn't playing a lot. Mm. And she, she looked me in the eyes and she said, Cooper, your time is going to come. And I believed her. <laughs> mm. I was good after that. Like I was good. It was like, she saw me. I knew she saw me. And right. when it was my turn, she would give me an opportunity. And she did. Mm. The, the, the late great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See. Any other questions? If not, I'll actually have one more question. Uh, Bridget jumped in here with the question something that it came up recently i feel like it's been around a little bit what are your thoughts on like the is people that think a key to i guess making women's basketball bigger is lowering the rim like what what do you what do you think of that suggestion well i'm gonna say this i know shaq said it Mm -hmm. i was on tnt that night i know he said it to candace Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna just say this when do guys get a chance to tell women what's best for their game? Mm. We didn't tell guys how to bring the, bring the um, rim closer so Shaq can make a free throw. We didn't say, hey, raise the, raise the basket higher because so many of the seven-footers and seven-three kids, they right. dunk too easy. We didn't right. try to alter their game. I believe the women's game is fine where, where it is. We've already made certain adjustments because – our hands are a little smaller, so we have a smaller ball. Um, but I think we play great basketball. And the time is coming for women to consistently play over the rim as well. Right. I think the time is coming. And if you remember the NBA back in the day, 
Will mm-hmm. Chamberlain, there was only one Will Chamberlain. Everyone right. else was skilled. Everyone else, no one else was really dunking was the way they were. Like right. Yeah, they, they're, they're not, they weren't dunking. There was one Dr. J, one Iceman. You know, everybody else, one Kareem. Even Kareem wasn't even dunking like that. He had the sky hook. There were skills that were um, that they used to win championships, and they were praised for that skill set. And I think the women in the W should be praised for their skill set as well. Mm. I love that, and I, I love Kansas saying like like Don't worry about it. like I think she said her, her youngest daughter. She's like she'll be drop step dunking soon. Like don't yeah. She said when she has that, her yeah. next kid. When she, yeah, she she's said like don't her worry about that. Isn't really into dance right now, but uh, when she has her next kid, she's gonna be drop step dunking. No because problem. Candace could do it. <laughs> right. So easily. Uh, got one last question. Uh, can you tell us about your role with the, the W advisory board? Like how that came about, what that looks like? Well, I'm so I'm so proud to be a part of the, the W, the twenty fifth anniversary advisory mm-hmm. board for the W. It's been amazing to be a part of it and really hear their ideas and throw out some of my own and other players and uh, former players that are on the advisory board one, to get to see them again on, mm-hmm. on the Zoom calls, and two, to really hear their ideas and know that the WNBA, you know, Kathy, they're, they're interested in hearing what we have to say. It is important. Um, it a- hasn't always been that way, but mm-hmm. it's that way now. And I'm so thrilled to be a part of the advisory board so that we can infuse, we can give our passion. We are still passionate, not just about women's basketball, but more specifically about the W. Right. We are excited. We want them to have success. We want them to be successful. And and um and so I'm thrilled to be a part of uh, of the advisory board and everything that comes out of it. Hmm. Okay. Can I be honest with you? Yeah. I lie. I lie. I have one more question. Just one. Okay. Just, just one more. I'm gonna let you go. I promise. Hmm. Hmm. One more. Okay. I'm glad you got that energy because the question <laughs> the question is this: We ask all our legends putting together our, our second season playlist. So what are you listening to? What do you listen either at practice, on the way to practice, around the house? What, uh, what What's in your headphones? What's, what's in your, your speakers? Dude, I'm all over the place. <laughs> I promise you. You know, everyone, are they're always shocked. When I come to the gym and I'm getting hyped up for practice, mm. but I'm listening to Luther Vandross, okay. or I'm listening to some slow, you know, Yolanda Adams, okay. and they're wondering why, yeah. and they're saying, "Why do you listen?" And I said, "Because I'm already hyped. I mm. need something to calm me down to chill out I'm a little already, bit. This is what I do. Basketball right. hype for that. I don't need music to get me hyped. Um, but I listen. I listen to 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 just about everybody. You know, now you have. I got confused with the baby and little baby. Got a little. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it can know, be a lot. The, the Tupac, the the Biggie, you know, I like some old school rap. Some of the new school kids, they 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 have me in every once in a while. But I I like Megan, Megan the Stallion, mm-hmm. Party B. She got mm-hmm. a couple nice ones, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll be over there repping. Um, okay. So yeah, I, so I listen to a little bit of everything. Okay, I think you're definitely the first person to mention uh, Yolanda Adams and Meg the Stallion. And they play. List. I know. So we, that, there it is. We're gonna add them both, though. Yeah, we. They both from Houston. <laughs> See, that's the connection. There we go. <laughs> Throwing that out. Now, wait. I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't name my girl Beyonce. Oh, I didn't name I my mean, girl Beyonce. That's kind of a given, though, right? Like that's. I know, but Beyonce, yeah. she touches you on so many different levels. 
that you can play her when she's talking trash with Megan the Stallion, or you could play her when she's talking about the brown skinned girl. Mm. You know what I mean? She, she got something touchy. for everybody. She Every got all of it. She with Jay Z and they they rapping and they fun and you like, hey, the little Pee Wee Herman. You don't know that you're young from Pee Wee Herman, but <laughs> I'm a, you know I'm a the cabbage pads. You be doing all yeah. But I'm a, I'm a, I'm all over the place. Okay, we, we'll uh we'll throw some some Meg, some Yolanda, a little Luther uh on the playlist for you. Got to, got to, you got to do that for me. <laughs> we got you, <laughs> Cynthia Cooper Dyke. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You guys are amazing. Of course. We'll have to talk to you soon. Absolutely. And now I'm in, H I'm in the ATL, so <clears throat> it'll subscribe. Let's do it. You ain't said nothing but <laughs> next time. Next time it'll be in person. We'll do Legends Live in person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. You guys Thanks. take care. You too. Right. That'll do it for this week's Legends Live. As you know, we've got new episodes every Thursday, 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central. Catch us on the NBA Alumni's Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch pages. I'd like to remind you, you can watch replays of any episode at legendsofbasketball.com slash legendslive. You can catch the audio replay to any of our conversations by searching for Legends Live wherever you get your podcast. I'd like to give a big thank you to Cynthia Cooper for joining us this afternoon. Thank you to Bridget and Julio behind the scenes. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you next Thursday. Oh, my God.